This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. Football club is, sure, it's a business, but it's a family. And you've got to have a good mix there. to mix the, the money side of it with the people side of it. And you, get, you blend those two together, which I know we had in 2002 to 2010, 11... And it's a great environment that works. You win games. The world is full of amazing people. And once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Human. He's worked in real estate for over 50 years, developing, buying, and selling commercial and residential property. He grew up in Maroubra and moved to the Northern Beaches as a young man to pursue his career further. Also, he was a talkback radio host on 2SM in Sydney. He was a majority shareholder and a former board member of the mighty, mighty Manly Sea Eagles. And, uh, but now he's moved up here to the Gold Coast. And today we're going to hear his amazing story. Max Delmeek, welcome, buddy. Thanks, Brett. How are you going? Good, buddy. Good to be here. Oh, you got to love the Gold Coast, don't you? Oh, I do middle love Middle of it. winter and it's, what, 24 degrees out Absolutely. outside? I like winter, but summer... Is a little bit too hot for me. Yeah, I get you. Humidity. That's where the uh, pub and the air conditioning comes yeah, into play. Uh, my word, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what, the whole purpose of Awesome Humans is to find out more about you as a bloke, right? So what I want to, the first question I always ask everyone is, what's your first ever memory? Thinking back all those years, what's your first ever memory? My first ever memory uh, was probably at school. I, I was in kindergarten and... Was that about four or I, five? I was about five years of age and the teacher was playing the piano and I snuck behind the piano with a little girl and kissed her. And the, <laughs> the teacher stopped playing the piano, looked over and saw me and uh, made me stand up in a corner or play lunch. That's probably my first memory. She wasn't playing a bit of Barry White or something, was <laughs> yeah, she, on the piano? Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, getting yeah. started, started early. Well done, mate. So school, where'd you go to school? I went to school at Maroubra Primary and then on to Randwick Boys High. Randwick Boys High, and how was that? It was good. I, I left it uh, well, when I was 15. I yep. did the intermediate certificate in those days. I must admit, I, I did like primary school, but high school, I... I wasn't didn't for like, you. Wasn't for me. Oh, you were picking no. picking up chicks in kindergarten, so you got to love primary <laughs> school. So was was school good, bad, ugly? How how was school? No, school was what you did. You know, yeah. I used to ride my push bike to school, quite a distance uh, from Maroubra to Randwick, uh, up of Oka Street, up the hill there. That's a every mighty day. hill to get up. It was a yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a uh, push bike that I put together. I found the bits and pieces from uh, uh, from the tip at La Perouse. Yeah. And I put it all together and painted it and oh, well <laughs> decaled it and whatever else. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I uh, on that one of my push bikes there, I even had a car headlight I got from the wreckers at Matraville yeah. and installed a car headlight on it and had a motorbike battery in the saddlebag, which... I'd turn on and <laughs> go for a ride of a night. There you go. You should have patented that. Yeah. You would have made a fortune. Yeah, bit of so, fun. So did you go at, at school and stuff? Were you a nerd? Were you a jock? Were you one of those guys that just got on with everyone? What I sort of? Sort of got on with everyone. Yeah. I wasn't right fully into sport. I uh, preferred the pinball machines. Yeah. Uh, so I'd wag sport and go to the local milk bar and play pinball machines and things like that. Yeah. Fair enough. 
And so do, you didn't go to university. Obviously, you left at no. 15. And what did you do? Did you go and do a trade or? No, I I was fortunate enough to get a job at the Department of Motor Transport, which is 15. now. 15? Yeah, 15. Wow. Yeah, and uh, as a junior clerk. And uh, I stayed there for probably three years, which was quite enjoyable yeah. in actual fact. It was at the head office at Rosebury in Rothschild Avenue. And during that time, a I was taking this young lady out and her uncle was uh, in real estate and I was working three jobs even then because I used to call it a housing hall, um, which is now called Bingo, yep. for the Catholic Church and of a Tuesday and Saturday night. And I had quite good money doing that. I used to do uh, 42 games uh, between 8 and 10.30. Did you have the dulcet tones you've got now back then as well? I, I must have because they <laughs> because they uh, like the voice. They they like the voice, and the we used to get about three or four hundred people wow. there. Yeah, it was a big, uh, it was a big deal for the church. Yeah, and at the, so I'd saved up enough money to buy a brand new car when I was seventeen. And when my girlfriend's uncle saw that I had a good set of wheels, he said, "Why don't you try real estate?" So I tried it of a weekend, and after work, I'd leave Is the matrix. Seventeen years old. Yeah, seventeen yeah, years wow. old, and. Then at about 18, I thought, well, look, I like real estate. So I went full-time and left the Department of Motor Transport. Who was the first real estate agent you worked for? Redmond and Trulis at uh, King Street in Newtown. Oh, there you now, go. Now, let me tell you, Newtown in those days wasn't the trendy Newtown <laughs> it is today. <laughs> I can assure you. Uh, but it was it was interesting. And I worked with uh, a Maltese salesman, a, a Greek salesman, a Yugoslav salesman, and uh, myself, and funny enough, the uh, Maltese uh, clients or the Greek clients would come in and they'd say, "We want to see the Australian man." I don't. Oh, think really? that, I don't think a lot of them trusted their own type. <laughs> the United Nations. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember the first house you ever sold? Yes, it was forty-eight Edith Street, St Peter's. <laughs> yeah, I and do. how much was that? Uh, it was oh look, I think it was probably about a thousand pound or something like that what's that worth now you reckon oh it'd be worth it's some peters millions millions yeah and i never forget the purchaser said to me is this affected and i thought oh i don't know what affected means but i thought it's affected probably means it's something good so i said yeah yeah it's affected and you know that type of attitude and as it turned out they bought it but affected meant was affected by road widening. Oh, really? so in other words, it was earmarked to lose its front yard uh, to the road, the Department <laughs> of Main Roads. As it turned out, that didn't happen because yeah. there was a lot of properties they had earmarked for and they didn't know where they were going to put the roads in those days. They still don't, do they? They, no, they well, they're don't. They're trying to go under the city now, aren't they, in Sydney? Correct. Yeah, yeah. makes a big yeah. difference. But then they're all going to fall in on top. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so you did that and then that's what you stayed doing. You, you became well, the I, real estate man. I went then and opened an office for uh, my wife then, my wife's uncle at Sylvania, and then I was living at Narrabeen, so I was driving from Narrabeen to Sylvania every day and I thought, well, I can't do that. And I saw there was a job advertised at LJ Hooker at Newport and I applied there and then had to meet the director in charge. They They weren't. There were no franchise officers then. Oh, okay. They were all owned by... It was actually Mr Hooker. It was Mr Hooker. And can I say this? I was fortunate enough to get the job and because I was only 20 years of age and I got the job 
and I did had the pleasure of meeting Sir Leslie Joseph Walker. Wow. Yeah, in at Hooker House at uh, Angel Place at a, an auction. I'd sold a property in uh, Princess Street, Newport for $70,000. Now, let me tell you. A lot of money. In 1966, that was a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. And that property would probably be worth seven or eight million today. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And anyway, so you got to meet him. What was he like? A nice fellow. Yeah. And you know, he's he was from uh, Asian background. I'm not too – it was his father, I think, was Chinese. I never knew that. Yeah, and if you look up the records, you'll find that – I forget his name, but it was a Chinese name, and his father apparently changed to Hooker by deed poll. Oh, wow. Yeah, and funny enough, I heard a story. I don't know whether it's true or not. His father worked on the railways and he used to hook the carriages together and hence that's the name. So come from. that's what I heard. I'm not too sure whether that's <laughs> Well, let's go. True. It's a good story. We might it as well keep it story. going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is a good story. So you, meant, you mentioned your first wife there and and, and you've got um, a great bunch of kids. Yeah. So tell us about them. When, how, when did that all happen? Uh, that happened in uh, oh, 1973. Yep. Brett. Great year. I was good born year. in that year. Where? Yeah. I was. Yeah, he was born in December uh, in 73 and Robbie in October in uh, 75. Yeah. And they're both in real estate. Rolling in Dad's footsteps? Yeah. Robbie is, uh, runs my old office in Mona Vale. Yep. He's, he's still his, a Sydney boy? He's still a city boy. It's his office. I mean, he, he does his own yep. thing. He never listens to me anyhow, never has. Uh, but he's going <laughs> he's a son, okay. mate. We yeah. don't do that. <laughs> no, no. But he's going okay. Oh, that's good. And Brett works with me up here. Brett moved up yep. to the Gold Coast, so that's when I decided to to move up Yeah, because Brett's got five children. Well, at that point he had four, and I thought, well, I'd like to be closer to the grandchildren. So, Great idea, and it's a beautiful spot. And it's a beautiful spot. My sister lives here. Uh, my brother lives here. There we I'm go. coming here for 50 years. Yep. So... We thought I'd, we'd move up, we'd try it. And I think everyone does that. We'll come for six months, we'll see what it's see like what it's and like. you never go back. And you don't go back. Mate, the only, the most important question then on that is you're not a Queenslander, right? No. Good, that's fine. No. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'd have to terminate this right now. No, <laughs> exactly. No, it's quite funny. I love, I love state of origin time. I wear my blues jersey around and uh, you get all this abuse and stuff. And this oh, year do, we, 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 we got it back, so that was fine. You're only as good as your last series win, I like to tell people. No, exactly. But I've got a love-hate relationship with uh, with the newspapers, as I'm sure you do. Absolutely. Some of, some of the shit they write. I've, I've got a headline here. Former Sea Eagles boss, 70, marries nurse, 31, he met at a mate's funeral. A great headline. How ridiculous are these people, yeah, seriously? I know, exactly. So, mate, you're you're, you're an amazing wife and, and you have gone through, um, obviously, you met at 70 and she was 31 and that's all happened. Tell us about that, how that well, all happened. Well, no, I met, at, uh, I met her when I was 65 yep. and she was 26. She, I met her at a funeral of all places. <laughs> it was, she was nursing Max Whitehead. Now, Max Whitehead was Manly's first captain. First ever captain, yep. Yep. And I met her at the funeral and we just clicked and one thing led to another and, we got married, uh, yeah, we got married in, um, what, four years ago. Yeah, Taronga Park Zoo. That's it, Taronga yeah. Park Zoo. And my wife uh, is works at the private hospital up here on the Gold Coast. She works in the theatre yeah. and assists the anaesthetists. Excellent. And she enjoys the work. I mean, she was always going to be a nurse. Yeah. 
she just wanted to be a nurse from the time she could walk or talk. I mean, you, it's very well publicised. You've been on a journey yourself uh, yes. with, with, with your lovely wife. Uh, trying to have children. Yes. And um, I think the last count I heard there was there was about 11 IVFs you've now been through. Correct. And uh, and you've lost some along the way and, and condolences yep. for that. I don't know how that feels. It's, it's fucking horrible. Yeah, it um, is. But um, how's that journey? How, does that put you closer together? How's, how's that gone? Uh, no, I, I I thought it might uh, pull us apart, to yep. be honest with you. But, no, it's been exact. She's very understanding and she's very – determined and a very strong person and whilst obviously when she lost the twins yeah. that cut her up but she she marches on and uh, I think it's amazing how she's sharing her journey online as well and it's must be does. helping thousands of people out there that that are thinking oh actually there is still some hope here for people and and hats off to her because she's doing an amazing job and some of the stuff that she shares on social media and things it's uh I think it's amazing, and and please, um, please send that regards oh, on to her because I it's. Uh, I, I think between the two of you and what you're doing for that um, part of the community, because it is a big part of the community that that go through these problems, and to see other people that they're not alone and actually happens to, to some of the good guys, then uh, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, no, she's got a, a really big heart. Yep, and she has helped a lot of people during this uh, uh, her IVF cycles during the during the cycles. Yeah. yeah. Manly, the mighty Manly Seagulls. I'm sat here at the moment in, uh, with with the crest on my chest, and uh, it is a club that I that I love and I always have. Um, I, I actually started supporting Manly when I was four years old, and the reason that was is because my father tried to make me support the dogs, so he took me down to um, to Belmore, and we we watched uh, uh, Steve Gearan and all those guys play oh, back Steve, in the yeah. day, and uh, my. I think it was my grandfather coached their reserve grade team at the time. So we went in the sheds and we, we saw all the players and got to meet them all. And he was just so excited. I remember, I remember his face. It just made his, made his year to see his boys in there with his team and stuff. Yes. And I got home that night and I remember it vividly. I was like four or five years old and I said, yeah, dad, can't support the dogs. I'm a manly man. He goes, you're not my son anymore. <laughs> I was five years old. Got, yeah. no, but, but we had this uh, relationship. My, well, we lost my father 14 years ago. But um, we had this relationship uh, through our lives that uh, the Manly and Doggies relationship. Yeah. So you're a Manly fan, obviously. How, how long has that been? Well, I wasn't initially. I, I was South uh, because being born and bred in Maroubra yep. and uh, we wore the South jumpers when I played footy at school. Uh-huh. Uh, they <clears throat> and what happened was when I moved to the Northern Beaches, my son's mad rugby league supporters and they both played rugby league and Brett, the oldest boy, was quite a good player and actually in actual fact he tried out for Manly but he didn't get in because of uh, weight. He couldn't bulk up, you know, he yep. was quite, quite a skinny lad. And and I started to in my – when I opened my first real estate office, I left Hookers when I was 22 and borrowed $4,000 from the bank and opened an office in Avalon with a – of mine, Ray Trinder, uh, and I started to sponsor the Junior Rugby League. Yep, great way to get into the community. Yeah, the local Junior Rugby League teams. And so then I, when was it? I think 2002, I had Ian Thompson come to see me. Ian Thompson was the CEO of Manly. Yep. And obviously I was following Manly then because my boys were following Manly 
and he came to see me and he said, we need some help. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, we're going to have to hand back our NRL licence because we're probably trading in Solvent. Yeah. So is this the, the Northern Eagles or this is still Manly? No, Northern Eagles. Okay. So what year did they go to the Central Coast for the Northern Eagles? 2000, was it? So around, I forget. 99, 2000, the, around that yeah, time, wasn't around it? Around that yeah. time, I think. And he, I said, what, how can I help? And he said, well, we need an injection of funds. And I said, how much do you need? And they had a property uh, they wanted to sell. So I said, well, I'll, I'll help you by buying the property. I bought the property and released well, nearly a million dollars to them immediately yeah. to save them. And then... I had lunch with Ian Thompson a few weeks later and, he's, and uh, he said, will you be the major sponsor? And I said, well, what will that cost? And he said, well, approximately $800,000 a year. And I said, well, I'm not a Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know, or a Pioneer Concrete or whatever else. So I said, I don't know about that. But then I, I'd been to a couple, I was going to a lot of games then and I'll never forget I saw in the back of the league's club after a game, and we had fortune, we had a win. I saw the uh, people from the Spastic Centre and the Sunnyfield Association there, and they're all so excited. I mean, that was their weekend yeah. watching their match because they were just up the road. They were, they were their homes were just up the road, up in Ringer Road, and I thought, gee. How could you take the team away? This is their weekend. This is it. And I saw the, the crowd and I, I saw the passion. And I thought, gee, you know, all right. I said, so I said to Ian, all right, I'll, I'll once for the next three years. And this is still Northern Eagles? Or have we gone yeah, back to Manly? They were, still, they were the Northern Eagles, but yep. then we went back to Manly yep. in 2003. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, had to happen because... That wasn't working. It, wasn't, it just wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And North's, North supporters didn't like Manly. No one does, and but that's fine. Exactly. We don't care. No, exactly. <laughs> Manly hates you too. You exactly, know? And, yeah, yeah. And so that's how it all started. And then when I... What did you do it for? So, so obviously to save the, save the club. Save the club. And to inject those funds... Because you saw the smiles are put on people's faces, I did. pretty much. Pretty so, much. So that that was the main reason. Pretty much. So from a business point of view, and you're a businessman, as I am, um, was there a financial benefit that you saw for that, or you just did it because you loved it? No, I no, I knew there wouldn't be. I just did it because I loved it. But in those days, I was making quite good money yep. out of developing, and I thought, well, I was making it in that area. Give it back to that Go area, back. yeah, and. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the watching the people, particularly when we, uh, the supporters and fans, when we win. You know, they're just they're just amazing. You know, and I never ever thought that I'd be in a position to be in a grand final. Yeah. Let alone win one. Win one. Mm. And as it turned out, I was in a position where we were in four grand finals. And one, two. Wow. It's so, unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, that, 
on 5th of October 2008 was just amazing to arrive back at the Leeds Club and see tens of thousands of people swarming the place and the excitement and jubilant. Best just, grand final in the history, 40 yeah, zip. 40, 40 exact, Against the cheating man, uh, Melbourne Storm. Melbourne Storm and... I don't forget at halftime, it was uh, 8 nil. Yes. And I was sitting in a corner and I was white. And Max Krillich came up to me and he said, what's the matter, Max? I said, well, what's the matter? I'm worried, I said, because it's only 8 nil. I mean, Storm come out in the second half and score and convert. All of a sudden, it's 8-6 and <laughs> game's on. Yeah, yeah. He said, I'll tell you now, he said, they're out on their feet. We'll walk all over him in the second half. Well, as it turned out, he was he was, was right. Hundred percent correct. Wasn't he, he was hundred percent correct. And I, a player that never, I never thought got a real a lot of credit was Michael Robertson. Yep. And as you know, he's on the wing, and he scored a hat trick, three mm-hmm. tries, and he, he scored the second try, the third try, and the fourth try. Actual fact. He did. Yeah. 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 And you know, I still was. Worried, I've got to be honest, I think it was... Uh, I was still worried at 32 <laughs> nil. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it was 18 nil then. And and then uh, Brent Kite went over and made it 24. Yeah. And then uh, Wolfman, who, he was a terrific, he was a character. Yeah. And a lovely, lovely bloke. And he went over on the the other wing. And Where were you sat during this time? Well, in I was, a box? Yeah, I was in a box. Yeah. And then at 28 nil... I thought well, there was well we've won, we've we've won this I'll settle the we've we've won this there was only about <laughs> the eight, colour come back into your face yeah, colour. <laughs> it's only about eight minutes to go so I came downstairs and just as I got to the edge of the the ground uh, the beaver went over yeah and uh, that was quite amazing and I still reckon you've only been on for a minute or so anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. fifty seconds yeah and uh, he went over and he just couldn't believe it yeah. in himself. And as you know, it was his last game. Indeed. And and it was 34. And then five minutes before full time, about four and a half minutes, Steve Bell went over and uh, converted. It was 40 nil. And then all I wanted was for Manly to hold Storm out. Keep a zip. Yep. Yeah. Keep it at Keep them scoreless. Yeah. And they did. And they did. One of the most amazing days in my life. I've, I've got too. four kids. <laughs> I'm happily married. Yeah. Still one of the most amazing days in it my life. It is too. It's something I'll never, ever, ever forget. And then I I thought to myself on that day, seeing the look on everybody's face and the manly supporters and whatever, I thought it's been worth every cent. And it's interesting because it's 10 years later now and uh, we're completely opposite the we're at the other end of the table and we're yeah. going to go into that in a minute. I'll talk more about that. But the year before 08, so in 07, I actually got to witness my first ever grand final and that's when we got beaten by Melbourne. Yes. And um, I was on halfway, about halfway back in the first section. I was just on my own because I'd got a ticket. I don't know how I wangled it with the wife, but I got a ticket and yeah. I went to this game and uh, that's where um, Brett Stewart got smashed in the first couple of minutes. He did. I was at halfway. I heard it and he was in his own goal line and, and just the crunch. And you just think, no, nah, this is all over now. <laughs> it's well, like from from that moment, and there wasn't even a penalty. No, and and I walked out of there in tears, as a lot of Manly fans did that day. And I remember my brother was somewhere else in the stadium. He came up to me at the end, and he goes, "Ah, he was giving me shit." And I just went, "Mate, it was over from day from 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 the start." From the moment Brett 
Yep. Stuart got hit. Indeed. That was it. That's what I was worried about in 08. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then no one got hit and it was like, Nobody okay, hit. we're good now. So yeah, we are. That's all good. So 03, you, um, you're sponsoring the team now and and so that was what, so you must have done a deal from 03 to 06 or something like that. I did. And then what? how did the ownership piece happen? So so you were, you were a major sponsor. Yes. And then what happened after that? Well, what happened, I they really did, they really needed a further injection of funds. Where where was all the money going? Oh, paying back debt. Paying back debt. Basically, yeah. Ad management. And I I remember Ken Arthurson asked me, would I pay out North Sydney players too? There was X oh, I forget how many hundreds of thousands of dollars, which we didn't have to pay them out. Yeah. But I paid them out too. And look, they, they had a lot of debt. And the Leagues Club was mortgaged to the hilt premises and yeah. whatever else. And and I think this was all brought about by Ken Arthurson fighting Super League. Okay. And so they needed so one thing led to another and decided that the only way to get further funds was to privatise the club, which who owned it at that time? Oh the members. The members, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you had to get a vote of 75% or yep. more and in actual fact I think when Russell Crowe privatised a few years after that. Bunnies, yep. Yeah, the bunnies, uh, they got 75.01% oh, wow. or yeah. something. Well, when I privatised, I got 97.5% of the vote. Okay. So it was a walk uh, yep. in the park and we privatised it, further injection of funds, and that was, I think, in 2004 mm-hmm. or five. I'm not 100% sure. But we, we went on to, to do what we had to do. Yep. And I, Des, of course, was when I first took over, Peter Sharp was the coach. Mm-hmm. Then we appointed Des, who, as it turned out, was a very good coach for Manly. He did all right. Yeah. Uh, he was a very fit man. Yeah. And he, Obviously, all the players were fit. They could do the whole 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. And he brought that about in them. And and then, of course, it was pretty disappointing after we won the 2011 grand final that uh, Des decided to go to the dogs. There's a lot of talk about Des Hasler, and, and I'm not sure what your relationship is with Des. Um, they say a lot of people say that he goes to clubs and ruins them, puts them in financial debt, does this, does that, but actually goes to clubs and wins. <laughs> so mm-hmm. to to me, as a as a coach, as a player, he was amazing. He, won a, he yes. was one of my favourites. But um, as a coach, he does his job. No, doesn't no. do his job. He goes. So, so so what what's your thoughts on that? Does he does he ruin clubs? Does he make clubs? Does he? Well, I don't think he ruins clubs. I think what. What, what has happened, because of his success, yeah. he then uh, makes uh, pretty hefty demands okay. on the management as far as funds are concerned yep. for different things, one, one thing or another. And I think, you know, Des now, after his, I suppose, demise with the dogs, yeah. would be much better person or coach to employ now. Okay. In my opinion. Yep. I think he 
be more down to earth now, realizing that he isn't the Messiah. Yeah. And none he of had us, a good run though. <laughs> oh yeah, but, yeah. Not, but none of us, none of us are. No, exactly. You know that uh, we we're all human, and we uh, we have some wins and we have some losses, and and you've got to be a little bit humble, yep, tongue in cheek, and and take it. And I'm quite sure now that if Des resumed the coaching job uh, somewhere or another uh, in the NRL. I think he'd probably be quite successful. That's, that's interesting. Cause so, so when Des left, you bought in Tooves. Yeah. Um, but did you have much of a say in that? Or what, yeah, what, yeah. as the owner of the club, what, what say do you have in that sort of stuff? Oh, virtually you do have the say. Okay. And Tooves was, in my opinion, well, as you know, he worked under Des yeah. for quite a few years. So he obviously learnt a lot from Des too. Yep. And Tooves was a great player himself. Uh, and he was a warrior. And I thought, well, in, what was it in 2013? No, 2012, we got into the grand final with Indeed. Tubes. Yep. So you had to say, oh, sure, we had a good squad. Yeah, of course. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, I, I think that Tubes, well, I don't think I know Tubes, in my opinion, was a, a darn good coach. And I was quite upset to see him uh, being shown the door. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, from a from a an ownership point of view, would you recommend anyone owning a football club, a rugby league club? Oh, absolutely! You get so much satisfaction out. I mean, I got satisfaction uh, like you wouldn't want to believe, and I'd still own Manly today. Only the global financial crisis came along, and I was doing my biggest development at North Sydney. Yeah, uh, which a was bit you on the ass. <laughs> correct. Yeah, it did, and that was uh, so. I was was put into a position where I had to sell. My, my equity. So tell me, tell me about that then. That so obviously the GFC hit a lot of people and yes. and made a lot of people suffer. And and there's a lot of people out there that uh, that went bad, went went broke or or whatever that happened. Financial flatline, I like yeah. to call it. Yeah. Um, but nice the good thing about it. a flatline is you always get the beat back at the end, yeah. and then you yeah. get to go back up. But um, during that time, obviously it was a hard time across the across the globe. You own a football club, things happen, shit happens, um, and then you put it on the market or what happened there? No, I was approached then in 2008 after we won the grand final, yep. I rel- relinquished my sponsorship to a crowd called Quantum mm-hmm. and Quantum then approached me to buy my shares Okay, in 2000 and probably 10 or 11, I've forgotten, uh, and they were the major sponsor and so – I was in a position where I really had no choice but to sell. Yep. And so I sold it to them. And then, of course, they didn't get on with the Pens, who were the other shareholders. How much at the time did the Pens own of that, of the club? Uh, They owned – well, when I privatised it, I structured it in a way that I – well, I was the sole owner with but 80%. Then I left 20%. The members. Yeah. So the members, the deal was the members owned 20% and they had two positions on the board. Yep. Uh, that's the football club. And so really then when I, the Pens came in, they bought 40% and I owned 40 and the members owned 20. Okay. So I sold my 40 to Quantum. Quantum. They didn't get on with the Pens. They didn't get on with the Pens. 
and so then they ended up by selling out to the Pens. How did you get on with the Pens back then? Well, initially I thought that the Pens would be very good for Manly because they were quite uh, well off financially and I thought, well, to have that other strong, you know, string to your bow, uh, this is good for Manly. Uh, And But then they obviously had an ulterior motive which was to push me out. Yeah and take control. And that started just prior to the 2008 grand final, wow. which I thought was a, a silly thing to to start just before you, you're in a grand final yeah, to, to sort of start uh, making waves in a successful football club at that point. But that started, but anyhow, they, they had media contacts because the Pens... Uh, brother-in-law was Peter Peters. Yep. His best mates were Rothfield and Ritchie from the Telegraph because uh, Peters used to work there, mm-hmm. Telegraph. And they used those contacts to start to, you know, I suppose not say nice things about me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was... The anti-Max campaign. Yeah, the anti-Max campaign, which mm-hmm. was really... Un- it was unfounded. I mean, yeah. there was nothing... All we did was put money in, save a club, build it up, to be a successful rugby league club for everybody to enjoy and the pen should have enjoyed it as well. So they obviously had ulterior motives and I, I, we, we know now that they sold the leagues club. Yes. Obviously made some money off that. Yep. Um, and it looks like at the moment they're trying to get the club moved or close, but it was Correct. something along those lines. Um, I know there's a lot of supporters out there and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening on social media at the moment where Bring Back Max, there's a big Bring Back Max campaign um, that a lot of people are talking about. Um, what of the what, what, what the current position the club's in at the moment is not good. We all no. know that. Yeah, we yeah. all know that. From, and there's a lot of debt behind there. There's the salary cap breaches and there's a finger-pointing exercise, he said, she said, all that sort of stuff. If you had the opportunity to walk in now – oh, actually, sorry, before I go there – there was an offer on the table to the Pens earlier this year, I believe, from a, a Qatar-based company um, or something like that. Well, there has been that rumour of $12 million, which yeah, they Yeah, and they, and they, they keep pushing that back. I, I don't Just a rumour? I think that's purely a rumour. Yeah, okay. Because I think if the Pens were offered $12 million, they would take it. Oh, would they be nuts because not to? I would think that Rick Penn, uh, which is Scott Penn's father, I think he'd be fed up yep. with, with what's been happening uh, the publicity, the drama. That's to affect their that. brand. Well, well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And I, Scott Penn, apparently, who's the chairman still, he spends a lot of time in America these days and I don't think he would particularly want to be there either now. Okay. So do we have an opportunity? Can we see a little gap there well, we can run through? I'd, I'd like, you know, as I said, you have – such, you have such passionate supporters, and not only with Manly. It wouldn't matter all what clubs. all clubs, but the amount of people who say to me, "Oh, look, can you get it back? I'll throw in ten thousand. I'll throw in one five thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand. You know, people just want their club back. They don't want drama. They just want to go to even look. It's a lot of talk. Peter Peters was on being interviewed the other day, and he's rubbishing Brookvale Oval. He's Greatest saying, ground in rugby league. Yeah, he's saying it's a dump, it's this, it's that. And and that is sort of laying the grounds, as yeah, you mentioned course. earlier, to, to move and, and get a cash injection. Yep. And 
There's nothing wrong with Brookie Oval. Nah, it's got a hill still. And what's more, there's 10, or 12, 10 million or 20 million sitting there that they can spend on it that Tony Abbott yeah, produced that. Yeah, that's and right. the state government produced some money. So there's money there. But the I've enjoyed the last time I was at Brookie Oval, I was on the hill. Yep. And that was that is the best place mm-hmm. to watch a game with the best people. Yes. It's the fans, the, the real the fans. fans but... The real fans. And I had the best afternoon. Yeah. I really did. And as I say, what's wrong with that? We've got corporate boxes there. We've got a nice dining area there. Um, okay. There's, there's could, seats. There's a hill. There's amenities. There's seats. There's hills. There's yeah, amenities. That's all you need. Uh, people seem to find a car space when they yeah. come to the game. And as you know, we've had 20,000 people there. So what's what's wrong with Brookie Oval? Okay, there's one thing I would like to see, which of course wouldn't wouldn't cost 20 million, is to uh, put an escalator in yep. for people that are a little the older, the yeah. older people. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. And you could tart up a few things, but what's wrong with it? Nothing. Yeah, it's. Uh, mate, I agree 100%. And the thing is, if the money is there, why wouldn't they why spend wouldn't you, it? Why wouldn't you spend it? Yeah, but why? People are calling it, but Peter Peters is saying it's a dump because he's laying, we all know. They're laying the what, groundwork. Laying the groundwork. So how do we get it back? How do we do this, Max? What do you reckon? Well, to get it back, we need the How pens. much money? Is it money? Would the pens sell it back to you? I think they'd sell it to me if the, the number was, was right. right. Yeah, I really do. And do we know what that number would be? No, I don't. I wouldn't have a clue. But I, we do have some people who would like to invest yep. big money in it, but we just need to know what the pens want to do. If they want to stay and and maintain their shareholding and maintain the club, so be it. But stop the rumour mill. Yes. Be happy with Brookie Oval and do some refurbishment there at Brookie Oval. There's $20 million there, I think, at the moment. And... I think if if you showed the responsible authorities that you intend to stay there and you they would probably provide even some more funds. Oh, I agree hundred percent. They they want it there. The council the, the government there. and the council and everyone want that there. And the people want it of there. Of course they do. Of course they do. And they, and, and like ground sharing. <laughs> they could even share the ground. Bring well, the rugby in there as well. Whatever they correct. need to do. There's no reason why that can't work in no. that most beautiful part of the world as it well, is, isn't it? It's like where it's in in the suburbs. It's yeah. it's a proper football ground. It is, and and we we see it Leichhardt Oval too. Yep. The crowds exactly they the get same, same thing. People like their suburban ground. I'd much rather see seven thousand people at Leichhardt or Brookie than seven thousand people at ANZ. Well, as you know, when you watch a, a game at ANZ on the television, the camera zooms around and there's just all these vacant the seats. It is. Where are the people, you know? And it's to see even if you're winning, you get bigger you crowds. Of course you do. And and even if you're not winning but it's it's a good harmonious club, that's See, the Pens got rid of the Eagles' angels. That's now, insane. they were one of the best assets that Manly had. I read an article last night actually on uh, on Facebook, I think it was, about the Eagles' angels, and you were mentioned in there as well. 
Um, and the list of people that were in the Eagles Angels, oh, my God. Yeah. You couldn't get a stronger bunch of women. No, exactly. And the the amount of say that they could have had in that club and, and the difference, right. uh, you could bring them back. Yeah, exactly. And they would love to be back. Of course. And funny enough, uh, look – uh, they're amazing girls. They they had their corporate suite next to mine. Yeah, and it was fluffy and pink, and <laughs> and they they're terrific people, and and they raised money for lots of charities, exactly, and had lots of functions, and uh, they were such a, an amazing. Why did uh, that stop? What what happened to the Eagles Angels? I think the. The pen sort of said, "Well, you can't have your corporate suite anymore, and you can't have this and that." And in other and words, just faded away. We don't want you. In other words, yeah. Which is, I think they were just trying to treat the whole club purely as a corporation. Yep. A football club is sure it's a business. It's a family. It's a family, and you've got to have a good mix there to mix the the money side of it with the people side of it and so true and you get you blend those two together which i think we had well i don't think i know we had in 2002 to 2010 11 and it's a great environment it works you win games and if that's if you've got a happy behind the scenes the players are happier we'll say happy players Everyone, everyone gets exactly. on a lot better. You play exactly. better football. Of course you do. Oh, we got, we got at the moment, and it, it's interesting. And I'd love to hear your opinion on Trent Barrett and and the coaching staff there. Big fan of John Cartwright. John Cartwright did a great thing up here on the Gold Coast for the Titans when they yeah. first started. He was a great coach. He got shown the door, obviously, as most coaches do, yeah. as uh, Griffin did a couple of days ago in in Penrith. I, I couldn't believe that. Ooh, four weeks out <laughs> from the finals, I, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> It's not as though they were heading for the wooden spoon. No, of course. I mean, they're fifth on the ladder. Yeah. And uh, real strong chance of getting in the top four. Let's get rid and of the yet, coach. I, I can't see the I mean, it's, it's logic, all about Cleary, it, isn't it? And they're, they're going to try and bring Cleary in. I know they've ruled out Barrett and, uh, and Cartwright um, going down there as a duo. Mm. I wouldn't mind if they did. Personally, I'm not a big fan of uh, Trent Barrett <clears throat> as a coach. No. Um, but that's, once again, my personal opinion. Um, what, what, what's your opinion on the coaching staff and, and the whole DCE thing? Because they've obviously offered that kid so much money, it's ridiculous. When he was playing for free, best player in the country. When he was playing for millions, yeah, it makes a big difference. Well, I think that was in the year when Pens were copying a bit of a, uh, I suppose, uh, not very nice press yep. because DCE had signed up with the Titans. Yep. And Foran was leaving. So I'll never forget that. They thought, well, hold on, what, what are we going to do here? Well, they couldn't keep Foran and they decided they'd offer Ali Cherry Evans an almighty amount of money mm-hmm. to keep him. And I'll never forget when he backflipped on his Titans deal still. with the Titans mm-hmm. that there was a telegraph quite half page with Scott Penn uh, with a Santa Claus hat on saying, yeah, now I've given you fans your Christmas present. I've, you know, kept, and of course written by Dean Ritchie. Yeah. And uh, I've kept uh, Daly Cherry Evans. Well, of course he, he kept him because the money he was offered 
and the and the term one point three million a year for ten years, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Something like that, eight or ten years. Yeah. I mean, who wasn't going to stay for that? And that then affected the amount of money you can pay the other players. Yeah. So the salary cap, I would never sign somebody up for eight years or ten years, and I would never pay them that sort of money at the expense of the other players who are quite good players anyhow. Yeah, and exactly. probably at that point, I think you summed it up when you said when he was playing for next to nothing, he was a great player. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden uh, pay somebody all this money and they think, well, I'm the best. So they just... They need to try. They need to try. Like, giving him the captaincy was probably the worst thing they could have done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe anyway. Uh, it's, it's really interesting that you see the difference between then and now. And uh, next to my bed, I got some old magazines and I pulled out one out the other day. It was actually the, the 2011 grand final magazine and he's on the front. Like he's the he's the future king. Yeah. Um, the problem is they crowned the king way too early yeah. when he was still like a baby prince and yeah. uh, I think that's the problem that they've had there. Yeah. Um, but we got like we won the under-20s last year mm. and uh, and those, so there's obviously a whole group of young kids that are coming through. There the are. problem is we're going to lose them. Yeah, and what I've always said – I think Des Hasler was pretty good at this. He was he was a coach that could make ordinary players extraordinary players. And I always believed that you're you're better off to really train your, your younger yep. kids coming through and keep them in the area. And as well, we've look at done the with Travoyevich's. Perfect example. And I saw, matter of fact, I saw a... A, a television clip uh, the other day where it was one of them, uh, I forget which one it was, uh, one of the Travoyevichs, and uh, when they were playing for the Monovar Raiders yep. and they had the Dolmage. Uh, oh, the Monovar yeah, Raiders, wow. Because I used to sponsor the, yeah, yeah. the Monovar Raiders back then. And I always knew, and we always said, even Brett, my eldest son too, these two boys, and they've got a well, there's another, another one coming another, through, another isn't there? Yeah, coming through. Uh, they're special for yeah. And as long as Manly can keep them, and they and the thing is, as long as they do right by them, I think they'll stay as well. Like the Stewarts, um, they did well up until the bit where they Manly fucked them over, and they 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 didn't play anymore, or they went to Souths or whatever. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. So let me ask you a couple of quick questions. Favorite Manly player in history. Oh, that's that's a very very. Difficult one. To me, it's easy. Cliff Lyons. I got a signed photo of him above my yeah. desk at home. Mate, Cliffy with to me was the uh, absolute legend of that club. Smoked ciggies, drank beer, played the best yeah, football oh, you've ever seen. He'd have a <laughs> cigarette at half time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but still, like you look at him now, he's still fit enough. He could probably he run could. around in the seconds. Yeah, amazing. Uh, look, uh, I think there's too many for me to yep. uh, because they're all unique in some way, shape, or form. You, you, you take Steve Menzies, yeah. the Beaver. Amazing and a beautiful man, uh, unblemished record, you know, just perfect. But then Matty Orford, who captained great, us, what a great player! What a great player! Yeah. As I say, Michael Robertson, in my opinion, was underrated. Kennedy, what was he there for? B, yeah, two BK, years, two yeah. years, and unbelievable. He, he captained, as you know, in the yep. 2007 grand final. We've had so many good players that. 
I can't really single out anyone to be and honest. What about with the you. current crop, young the young blokes at the moment? Who can you see that's going to be the next big thing, other than the Travoyviches? Can you see any? There's that awesome, that massive unit. He's, well, he's six foot eight and about 140 yeah. kilos. <laughs> um, I'm, who do I think? Well, obviously the Travoyviches stand yep. out, don't they? And uh, I I don't see anyone else that. It's coming through yet. It's coming through yet. Yeah. You know, I, I look. I think again, any one of the current players uh, coach correctly. Yep. Coach right. Got skills. Got skills. They all can play footy. Uh, RP Coruscant. Uh, he got injured, yeah. obviously, but yeah. uh, great, great hooker. Yeah. And uh, we, I, I think we've got a good team there. Yeah, we we do. And you know, and like the days of, uh, of course, as you mentioned, the Stuart. <coughs> yeah. Uh, Britain. Glenn Stewart, Stevie Madire, the Wolfman, the whatever. What happened to the Wolfman? Last I'd heard, he was doing a fair bit of, I think, charity work. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. Um, coaching football. Oh, okay. Uh, I think underprivileged kids oh, and wow. things like Look, he is a, he's a great human. <clears throat> he's a terrific guy. But we had a, a great side then for years that they were all harmonious and it was. It was just a pleasure to even sit and chat with them. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's a pleasure to sit here and chat with you. And I've got a couple of quick fire questions I ask everyone. So I want to hear what uh, yours are. What's your greatest achievement in life? Well, I've, you've got to say uh, having two sons and family. And family. But then that's nearly on par. The 2008 grand final. Absolutely. <laughs> I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That's very true. And they wouldn't they wouldn't mind you saying that. No, your boys. They don't mind me saying it because, <laughs> you know, in two thousand and two, as you say, I think we came second last, I think. Yep. <clears throat> and then I never, ever, ever dreamt that we'd be in a grand final in my ownership. And to be in several grand finals, but to win a premiership, mm. 40 nil. Just amazing. That is pretty awesome, isn't it? I still got a shiver down my back thinking about it. Who's the person or the people that most influenced your career for you personally or, or your life? Who's the biggest influence in your life? Well, I'd have to say that probably my first manager at LJ Hooker who gave me, had confidence and faith in me to give me that job at the age of 20 when majority of salespeople were 35, so in their 30s, and that was a fellow called Barry Laird who gave me that that start. And after being at Hookers for about two months or two and a half months, everything I touched turned to shit. So I was probably 30 seconds off being fired and then Barry Laird, Talked to the, I found out later, talked to the director in charge to give me another few weeks. And and during that time, I just went ahead leaps and bounds and just fired. But, and I end up one of their top salesmen of hookers. And so I've got to say, that was a, he had a big influence. Is he still alive? I think so. And I think he lives, well, I'm, I, I hope he is. And he, mo- he did move to, Queensland, Marucci door. Yeah. You know, but another person that I, I did had recent person that had a big influence with was Richard Pratt, as you know, 
Vizzy, yep. who has since passed away. Uh, I used to have lunch with he and Benny Elias on very many Tuesdays because when Richard flew up to look at his some of his plants up here, and now I believe his son has got the title of being the richest man in Australia. Australia, yeah, yeah. He definitely has. Uh, Anthony Pratt. But he was a terrific guy to sit and talk with. Yep. Uh, I learned so much from talking with him. Wow. Okay. Favourite food? Favourite food, baked dinner. Baked dinner. Baked dinner. What's the meat? My... Is it lamb or is it pork, pork or is it beef? Pork with crackly. Oh. Uh, baked potatoes, peas, Apple sauce and gravy. Yeah, that, oh. that does me. That's definitely my favourite meal. What's your favourite song? Young Girl, Get Out of My Mind by the Union Gap, which happens to be my phone. The ringtone on your phone. The ringtone on the phone. Where's your favourite place in the world? Uh, well, that's a difficult one. At the moment, the Gold Coast. Gold Coast. You know, I... Where you are, enjoying uh, your life. Yeah. I used to say to I mean, like a lot of Australians, I've been to Hawaii a couple of times yep. and... Uh, and I think to myself, that's when I was living in Sydney, and I think to myself, well, you know what? You've only got to do an hour flight and <laughs> you're in a while. And you're, you're up here. You're in a yeah. while you're here, you know. Uh, so Australia's a pretty hard. Hard to beat, isn't hard it? Hard to beat. Yeah. So what's next for Max? Well, what's next? Uh, I obviously have got to work hard again yep. to, to get, get back. Get back. <clears throat> I would love to get involved with Manly again mm -hmm. because of, uh, I know that people, I, I hate to see supporters and fans disappointed and disillusioned yep. and I would like to get involved with that again and I wouldn't mind even doing talk back radio again. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, which I really, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I really did. I used to do five hours and during that time, I'd probably only play one or two songs Just because talk the rest of it. But the rest of the time there were callers wanting to have a chat. Right, and I like people. That's I mean, great. The majority of people are, are just beaut. Uh, we should get you on some Media 8 podcasts. Come and start doing some podcasting with yeah. us and uh, talking sport and property yeah. and all that sort of stuff. That'd Maybe be great. Talk, yeah. Maxwell, it's been a real pleasure, mate, for what you've done in life and also what you've done for the Manly Football Club. I thank you, and I'm sure all the fans thank you as well. I personally want to start a Bring Back Max campaign. <laughs> so uh, let, let's see whether we can do that. Let's see whether we can actually bring this back for the fans. Um, let, let's put a shout-out out there at the moment to all the Manly fans and see, see what we can do to bring that back. It would be nice, but on the other hand, then I think to myself, if for some reason we did get back yep. and I had uh, quite a big involvement... Gee, the pressure would be on to perform, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's all right. You work well under pressure. <laughs> you're probably right, too. Yeah. Right, as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human, and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Max. Cheers, Thanks. buddy. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And what an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ Macker and look out for more Meteorate podcasts.